I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, Mama. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. So a uh, Klingon, a Borg, and a Romulan walk into a bar. Man, I had a great time at Dragon Con. Welcome to TRB Reviews, a bonus episode where we review, you know, stuff. Movies, TV shows, music, products, you name it. It's something new that we're rocking right now. This week, we are discussing episode four of Star Trek Picard. These are spoilery reviews, so set phasers to stun and make it so. What the heck was that, Mr. Worf? That is how the Klingon lures a mate. All right. Well, there you go. Well, Mr. Worf, let's rock it. Sir, I protest. I am not a man. Uh, Captain Influence, did Worf just say that he's not a man? I believe he did, and he is half man. Uh, oh, well. You know, to be honest, is man really human? Uh, can it be used as just another pronoun for male? Yeah. Not even pronoun. What am I talking about? I, 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 I speak English. Uh, another <laughs> I speak word good. for male. We all know that your primary language is Klingon <laughs> and that your secondary language is English, so that's okay. Uh, my primary language is dork, but... Dork. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. We're here to discuss, as I mentioned, Star Trek Picard, episode four. Engage. I'm glad, you know, I was expecting Mr. Worf to actually fire a torpedo or something like that and blow something up, but the fact that he says, I protest, I'm not a man, I'm, um, I, I don't even want to have a conversation with him anymore. But that's how you I, lure a mate in Klingon, just FYI, scream. I'll remember that, and I, I find it interesting that we're we're talking so much about Klingons right now when they have not shown a I single know. Klingon in this show what yet. the heck? Oh, by the way, though, to clarify, the male Klingons do not lure a mate like that. That's how a female lures a male and then males read love poetry wait a minute no 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 hang on then why did Worf do the call he was just he was explaining it (laughs) (laughs) why didn't he clarify why didn't he qualify female (laughs) he does eventually like if you listen to the rest of that scene it goes on to that and then you know because Wesley Crusher is asking you know well hey tell me about women and (laughs) (laughs) it's a really funny scene by the way it's from the the Dauphin uh, season two there you go season two of TNG you want to check that out it's a pretty funny scene all right so today we're going to be chatting about episode fall as i mentioned what did you think let's give a little overall feeling of the episode how are we doing so far still so far so good in my opinion uh the episode it's not a filler up they haven't gone to filler episodes yet and hopefully they won't just my preference is that shows like this especially short season shows which is the precedent now that they are continuously building upon the previous episode and they don't just have episodic yeah you know filler episodes like the mandalorian did i really like this so so far so good agreed 100 percent. i liked it as well to me i think episode three and four were fairly equal on the spectrum of enjoyment for me mm-hmm. i still think one's the best i mean that's me two was yeah. least favorite so far it wasn't bad but it just was like no nah, you know not as good as one Three and four have been good, not excellent, but good. I'm enjoying them. Yeah. 
episode one was the shock and awe episode that really yeah. hooked me. And so far they haven't, I haven't worked my way off the hook yet. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So starts off 14 years ago, you know, 14 years ago, he gets kicked out of Starfleet, but it, I don't think he's been kicked out of Starfleet yet. Uh, no, he no, hasn't not yet. But then we find out that, oh, wait, he he went to this planet Vashti in the beta quadrant, by the way, which is, you know, Earth is in the alpha quadrant. So a little ways away. Oh, yeah. And uh, in fact, it was funny. If you remember in Star Trek Discovery, I think it was episode two of season two. Remember, there was that human colony that they found and there was a church. Yeah, that was in the beta quadrant. And they said, oh. well, no, no humans have, have gone that far yet. We don't even it would take us like, what did they say? 57 years or something like that to get there or. No, hundred, huh. hundred and something. That's what it was. A hundred and something years. Cause he said, well, my ancestors eventually could get us there. That was probably my great, least great. favorite episode of season oh, two funny. of discovery. So See, I enjoyed I that one. That <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was a, a well, and it was a Jonathan Frakes directed too. So I wonder oh, okay. if there was some, anyway, the beta quadrant though, you're on this planet Vashti. They had relocated the Romulans from Romulus, I guess, to Vashti is, isn't that what happened? It must have been because it was noted as a quote unquote Romulan reclamation site. I think a relocation site, maybe. I don't know, but it, it, it had said the same reclamation, even though it was a relocation okay. site. I didn't understand that one either. Yeah, because they had a similar, if not identical, name to what they called the Borg Cube in episode one. Yeah, and I, I was a little confused, but I just okay, whatever. It's another, it's another place that they re- relocated Romulans. So, so here's my question then, and and this all goes together. Fourteen years ago, they love Picard. You know, he's a hero. He's relocated all of these people to Vashti. They're all happy. And then 14 years later, they all hate him because he never came back. But wait, didn't he already relocate them? That's a good point because they were very hostile to him 14 years later. Yeah. I mean, I get it that he didn't come back because he wasn't able to finish his mission because Starfleet, you know, cut him off at the knees. But I don't understand why they're so upset with him if he had already relocated them. Maybe there was just a stopover for them and they were going to Federation was supposed to relocate them to someplace better or different. I don't know. Yeah, I don't Maybe know. they even explained that briefly in the episode, but I don't recall it. Well, I watched it twice, and if they did, I missed it. Okay. Because I just kept going like, wait, I don't understand why they're so... And I don't... Here's the thing. This is, an, <laughs> this is something that I'm finding very interesting. You know, in, in the next generation TV show movies, everybody loves Picard. He's a freaking hero. He's like the coolest captain ever. And in this show, man, he has a trail of pissing people off, hurting people, bad regrets. It's almost like once... Star Trek nemesis got done. He went on this. I'm making all of these promises. Maybe he thought he was kind of invincible at that point. We don't really know. And now here we are 20 years later and everybody hates him. Everybody has a lot of regret. I I just, what happened? Yeah. (laughs) And we're starting to learn about it a little bit. Yeah. I feel like the whole kit and caboodle of that, you know, that situation is just a reflection of that dichotomy that we talked about in episode one, where you have Picard as the, as the white knight of the Federation. And now there's this dystopian element to the Federation. It's not the same Federation we all know and love from centuries past. Yeah. That angst, you know, between him and all these other characters is just a reflection of that. That's my theory. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think everybody blames Picard, but I think it's because he was kind of the golden boy, the poster child of the Federation at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so his quote promises, even though at the time he was able to deliver on them when Starfleet, said, forget it, we're not helping you anymore. And then, oh, by the way, we'll take your resignation. Obviously, he couldn't fulfill those promises. Well, was it Picard's fault or was it the Federation's fault? And yes, it's the Federation's fault, but I love this 
Okay, so there's a scene where young Elnor is talking with Picard and Picard says something about promise. In fact, he says promise a lot in this episode, which I find very interesting. And the uh, I'm going to call her the head nun, Zani. She says a promise is a prison. She's like, Elnor, a promise is a prison. Don't make yourself another's jailer. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's one of the coolest sayings I've ever heard. And here's the thing, like how many shows, especially CW show, (laughs) but the the CW (laughs) angsty shows, because you hear it in Arrow, what well, you did hear it in Arrow, you hear it in the Flash, and everybody's like, "I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you got to stop saying I promise." Instead, <laughs> you should be like, "I'll do what I can," or you know, "Let me try," or you know, like, I love that a promise is a prison, and he says promise a lot, yeah, in this episode, mm-hmm. and I think he said it a lot in the series. What I'm starting to realize is that he made a bunch of promises that he just could not fulfill and people are holding that against him. And I think maybe that's uh, the problem. Yeah. So they're blaming him, even though it was Starfleet's fault. But well, he made the promise. You're responsible. Yep. So, yep. but dude, Romulan warrior nuns. <laughs> yeah. So they have they're They're called the Coat Milat. They're another sect of the Romulan society like the Tal Shiar. Only female Romulans can be trained in their warrior ways, and they make an exception for Elnor, as we learn later on in the episode. So. Even though he cannot be a Coat Milat technically, right. but he can be trained, obviously was trained, and then, you know, in quote, present day, as you mentioned, uh, he is dang, son. It's like a, he's like a Romulan samurai. He's totally a Romulan samurai. That's what that's it reminded exact, me of. That's, that's the analog right there. Yeah. yeah, he's got the sword. He's got the, the hair, you know, and the style of samurais of old. That move that he makes in that little Romulan bar. Wow. Where he he flies at them spinning. Yeah. Yeah. That. So he is well-trained, even though he's not a co-op me a lot, but wow. I can do that, by the way. Really? And with your eight pack, though, no problem, man. It's all about your core and you have to focus down the length of your chakras. Oh, yeah. yeah, Like put them in alignment, focus down the length and concentrate on the balls of your feet. Okay. Now. And, he did a yeah. full 720. So are, are you at that 720 or 1080 spin or what? I mean, I mean, he was beyond the 360 spin for sure. No, I can only do maybe 380, 390, maybe 400. Okay. Yeah. So he's at the 720. So you've got a little bit of work to do. Yeah, but I, I, I'll keep working on it. Right. Maybe by the end of the season, I'll have it down. Now, <laughs> what do you think of this absolute candor concept? They have no filter. So they're kind of like an autistic person, except... <laughs> They <laughs> they always tell you what's on their mind, even if it's blunt. Do you like and that idea? The whole idea of absolute I, candor? Or do you think it's weird? I love the idea in the show, and I wish they had done more with it in the show. Maybe they will. But in yeah. this episode, they didn't. I don't think they milked it enough. It, it could have been really funny. But they weren't going for, for humor. I understand that, yeah. but still. Well, they can now because now that Elnor is part of the crew, he could, you know, <laughs> I could see True. Elnor and Agnes going at it with absolute candor because she's oh, like, yes, she was she like, anybody else think filter. this is like awkward or, or, or she said yeah. annoying, annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a little bit of an autism vibe from Agnes in this episode and I even noted it in the show notes that uh, yeah. That she she has a little bit less of a filter as well. You know, it might have something to do with her genius. Oh, for sure. And so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing those two interact. And I think they're going to do something with that. That would be really fun because that could be hilarious yeah. too. Good relationship you could watch. Yeah, because Agnes so far is is a good chunk of the show's 
comic relief for sure which i yeah. actually really enjoyed her in this episode you know when she's like does yeah. anybody else does anyone else think the way of absolute candor sounds annoying and just the, the random <laughs> so commentary yeah when she shows up and she's talking with rios you know and oh klingon opera that's all i found which by the way did rios date a klingon woman i don't know but i thought that was interesting i and you're an old school star trek nerd brian admit it oh for sure what what does klingon opera sound like oh my gosh oh <laughs> if, if i could yeah, let me let me play a sample of it. But before I do that, do you understand now why I played the this is how you lure a mate in Klingon? I, I heard it and now I'm I'm looking for the connection. I'm thinking that Rios was dating a Klingon woman and she lured him that way. And now he has all this Klingon opera. See, Interesting. you see, that's just my theory. I don't know. But he said long story. We may never know what it is. But let me play a clip of Klingon opera. Here's the thing about that. That was a that was an alien playing Klingon opera for Worf. I think there are other clips that sound a little bit more insane, but it's a pretty humanistic version of it. Okay. But it's, you know, it's warrior music. That's what matters. Warrior music. I like Agnes. She's cool. Can't wait to see more of her. She, and I really, really hope she interacts a lot with Elnor. It'd be funny. She's she's growing on me. Jumping back, I didn't really realize this, but now we know, of course, that Picard was on Vashti in the Beta Quadrant when the synths attacked Mars, which I mean, we kind of yes. touched on that, but I just wanted to say, okay, that's interesting that he's across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Little side note. Yep. Okay, hospitality program, or hospitality hologram, actually. That was awesome, yeah. dude. <laughs> so he's got all so, these crazy holograms on his ship, like the pilot hologram, and... And they all have their own personalities. They all have is, their own accents, and they yeah. all look like him. What is that about? <laughs> it's awesome, but what is that about? <laughs> it's very eccentric. Yeah, well, the pilot's and, and, like drunk or hungover or something. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, love so, it. I still feel like the interior of his ship. You know that really big open space. Yeah where the bridge is, you know, the bridge is like in the front of that open space. And it's just as big, it's such a strange plan for that interior of the ship. It really is. There's a lot of wasted space in that ship. It seems like it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And I want to know more about that ship. They haven't really shown much yet, but you know, it's funny. What's the ship called? Have they said what the name is? I don't even know. I don't remember them even telling us what the name of his ship is yet. Surely they've mentioned it. Oh, I'm sure. Or they showed it like on a quick little pan over kind of thing. I, hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm going to go back and look. <laughs> we'll now. keep it. We'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah. Rafi. Is it me or does she sound so much like Zoe from Firefly? A little bit, but the way she, she looks so much different that it's oh, throwing me. I, well, I, I didn't, I didn't get that comparison. Oh, I've been I was getting it. I'm her. just like, it but, sounds like Zoe. I, I mean, yeah, but now that you said it, I'm going to probably notice it a lot more. Yeah. She just has a very <laughs> similar, like an inflection more than anything else. It's like her voice is different a little bit. I mean, they have a very similar timbre and voice and uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing, but their inflection is very similar. My favorite quote from Rafi on this episode is quote, Man can't even take a guilt trip without using a starship, unquote. (laughs) That was pretty funny. So Yeah, I love it. She was speaking about Picard, by the way. Yes, she was. Yeah. Let's get into the Romulan side of things with um with Soji. Let's talk about her really quick, because that was kind of a it was almost more the secondary side of the story on this episode. 
And by the way, Soji's cool, but I miss Dodge. I mean, it's so funny. Like I instantly liked Dodge in the first episode and I'm like, oh my gosh, what a great character. And then, you know, they kill her. She dies. And Soji, I'm like, eh, she's cool, but she's no Dodge, even though they're twin sisters. They're identical. <laughs> but different right. experiences. I feel the same and, way. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> but um, so they're drinking Romulan ale. I thought that was funny, yeah. even though it's illegal, but uh, whatever. Well, it's illegal in the Federation. But, uh, it's not illegal in Romulan. And, uh, on a Romulan reclamation site, surely. Yeah. Now, okay. Narek has been, you know, as he talks and he's like, okay, hello, Soji. I've got this, you know, this horrible, like, emo attitude. And I've, I've, I don't want, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh. Do you know who he reminds me of, though? Because it's been bothering me. No. Newt Scamander from oh, Fantastic yeah, Beasts. Oh, yeah, good call. Yeah, he does. Rem- yeah, yeah, I can see the resemblance, yes. But what the heck, man? They've got this whole little, uh, this Borg tradition, this Borg, what was it, a ritual? No, he was just trying to flirt with Soji. That's all that was. It was a really awkward, like, what are they doing moment in the episode? (laughs) Because it was really a little bit, but I was expecting something more genuine. Like, and of course, we all know Borg don't have rituals. They just don't. Oh, of course not. He was, you know, he's just flirting with her, trying to convince her they do. And then he does this goofy thing where they he slides across the floor and then she the joins music's him. all cheesy and it's, yeah it's just a really weird skip ahead 10 seconds okay skip ahead another 10 seconds yeah. moment which i yep. didn't but you want to so that was a bizarre scene and then of course you yeah. know they're they're embraced in each other's arms and they're kissing and oh he's in love and she's in love and then he starts accusing her well you know the passenger manifest by the way for your ship was was public record and you weren't on the ship she's like well yes i was and then she's uh, like, yeah. oh, I'm done with you. I, I could just hear Soji like, I was a passenger <laughs> on that ship and I took my shoes off for you and slid across a board cube. You, 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 you heartless Romulan wench. She called him a wench. Yeah. 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 But before that, we forgot to mention, she was watching an old uh, recording of Ramda talking oh, yeah. about a legend, a legend of the Gan Madan. Yes. And this is important. This is very okay. important okay. Plot, plot device. The Ganmadan was a mythical day of annihilation in Romulan lore when all quote-unquote shackled demons break their chains and answer the call of, quote, the Destroyer. And she called Soji the Destroyer in the last episode. Yes. This is my prediction that the Borg are the shackled demons. Oh. And somehow Soji's going to... I'm just a pure hypothesis, but that Soji is going to somehow, through whatever circumstances, unleash a new Borg, or at least a localized Borg outbreak on probably on that cube that they all live on. Well, that would be a bit of a copy of Star Trek The Next Generation when Lore leads the Borg. And Hugh, by the way, Hugh was you go. in that moment. Yeah, that precedent right there is just strengthening my hypothesis. So That's yeah. very possible because it's been done before and it can be done. And, and we've talked about this before, that the Borg admired Data and Data admired mm-hmm. the Borg in, in Star Trek First Contact. Mm, interesting. I like that theory. Soji starts to suspect that Narek is Tal Shiar, but he denies it. Of course. And then she's like, yeah, but would you tell me if you were? And he was like, well, no, of course not. And then he deflects by doing the goofy Borg ritual. Yeah. So that's when we get the Borg ritual scene is after she asks him if he's Tal Shiar and he says, "Uh, no, hey, I got this Borg ritual I want to show you. Oh, really? And then she... Yeah, and goes off and forgets. How does she not suspect him yet? Because in the previous episode, she asks him a question and he just says, I think I'm falling for you. Can I tell you a secret? And I'm like, he's the king of deflection. Dude, you don't get this. Oh, by the way. So then, you know, later and I'm I'm jumping ahead, but this is all tied together when Narek's in bed and, you know, his sister Rizzo comes in and hey, 
Hey, brother. Yeah. Okay. You're right. There's a yep. little incest is best. Put your family to the test kind of stuff going on there. Yep. Yep. But I knew there was a weird sex thing between I, them. Yep. I just love it when my sister chokes me, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but then he finally said, cause she's like, give me a name, give me a name. And, and he finally says the destroyer. And then, you know, she gets all pissed off and walks off, but uh-huh. interesting. So he has more told deflection. that. Yeah. More, de- but he at least said that she's the destroyer. <laughs> interesting how they said, well, we want them all to die. Like she's going to, like it would kill her and and that's the point, but yeah, not until we know where they all are. Right. So, so there's more potentially. Let's see back on Vashti, you know, that Picard visits Vashti in the, all the local. Yeah. In the present, all the local Romulans are giving him the stink eye. He doesn't and, like you. I don't like Eleanor, you either. Exactly. <laughs> Picard's about to get his butt kicked or whatever. And then Eleanor comes and rescues him and says that he will be his, Kalankai, Kalankai, yeah, Kalankai, his bonded sword. So now Elnor cool. has bonded himself to Picard, and he's his bodyguard now. And they're like, "Well, what what's the criteria for becoming the Kalankai?" And it's like, "Well, you know, a, a hopeless hopeless cause." Yes, hopeless a hopeless cause. cause. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> okay, yeah, so that that was interesting. That's when we got to see him do that thing that I do. Yeah, and, that uh, spin that seven twenty spin. I thought it was really cool that Elnor took that guy down, but then when they get back on the ship and Picard is like, okay, now there we go. That's the fight and the leadership of Picard that we knew. He steps right. up. He challenges Elnor and says, you will do as I tell you. We will save lives. We're not here to kill, you know, make that vow essentially. Oh my gosh, that was cool. I love that. And then of course he's trying to be the captain, you know, with Rio. Sorry, go ahead, Rios, you know, so that was neat. I, I appreciated seeing right. that Picard step up, you know, him challenging the, the racism or I guess would that be speciesism or mm-hmm. something like that? I liked that. So that was cool to see all of that come together. We've got the co-op me a lot. You know, we've got Elnor involved and you know, the guy with the stick as <laughs> Rafi says, <laughs> but yes, now, now they're, uh, they're getting ready to get out of there and, and they get attacked and what happens? So they're attacked by an old Romulan bird of prey. And, yeah. and this was an interesting scene. We're going to go into this a little bit. It seems innocuous, but, my understanding of you know Star Trek lore is that the Romulans have warbirds mm-hmm. and the Klingons have a bird of prey. Everyone's favorite bird of prey is in Star Trek 4 and 3, of course. It's an iconic Star Trek ship design. What are those D, those Klingon uh, destroy? Yeah, yeah, that they're much bigger than the bird of prey. I thought that the Klingons had the bird of prey and the Romulans had the warbirds. Well, Which is true, by the way. Which is true. That was an old antique Romulan bird of prey. Yep. Yeah, probably the early to mid 23rd century. Yeah, and tell us more about that, Brian. Sure. So this is kind of fun. So at first I thought, well, yeah, that's definitely a Romulan bird of prey. We haven't seen one of those since the original series back in the 60s, the 1960s. And I thought that was really cool because I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, when he says that's an antique or that's an old heap, Rio said both those words. And I I thought, yeah, (laughs) that's like a century and a half old ship. That's crazy. You know, if you think about that. 150 to 175 year old ship flying around. Yeah. When you were confused a little bit saying, well, wait, no, that's a, that's a, how, why do the Romulans it's be have a Klingon ship? Yeah. So Romulans did have birds of prey back in the original series in the, in the early to mid 23rd century and then moved to warbirds, And then the Klingons kept the birds of prey. And I wasn't even a hundred percent sure on, well, why was that by the way? Was this because I don't remember that really ever explained in the story of Star Trek. And I, we did a little bit of research and I, I don't think it actually ever was explained. It was sort of an accident in real life with the script writing because of Star Trek three. <laughs> so mm-hmm. here's what happened. First of all, the first Romulan bird of prey, the first bird of prey period was seen in 1966. The original series, Star Trek balance of terror. 
Mark Leonard, who played Sarek, Spock's father in all of the uh-huh. movies, was the Romulan, by the way, in this episode. Oh, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Cool. This was a Romulan ship and had a cloaking device. So there you go. That's pretty much where we saw that. In and it had a bird painted on the bottom. Yeah, it was, a, it was an actual bird of prey on the bottom, which was really cool. In Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, that movie, you know, you see the, the Klingon bird of prey. Well, originally in the script, the Romulans were supposed to be the bad guys, the enemies in that movie. And it was going to be this really, really cool thing. And they were going to use the new updated Romulan bird of prey, which was what we now know as the Klingon bird of prey. It was that model. Interesting. Yeah. And huh. for whatever reason there, it was going to be a much darker plot. It was going to involve Vulcans threatening to leave the Federation because of the Genesis device, the usage of it. And so for whatever reason, they switched the script to Klingons instead of Romulans. But they were like, well, we, we already have the model of this ship designed, so we're not going to throw it away. We're going to just use it for the Klingon stuff. And then there was a line in Star Trek three about how, you know, how the Klingons actually stole this ship from the Romulans and then made it their own and that kind of thing. And then they ended up cutting that line completely out of the movie. And so all you knew is that, well, Romulans had a bird of prey in the 1960s original series. And then now all of a sudden the Klingons have a bird of prey that looks different and is now that iconic design in Star Trek three. And then in 1989, when Star Trek five came out, everyone just sort of everyone on the production staff sort of just quote, forgot about it. Yeah. They use it yeah, in Star Trek in, 4 and Star Trek 5. In the next generation, you know, the Romulan Warbird shows up and it's this huge ship, by the way. Warbirds yeah. if in, in the lore are much, much bigger than the Enterprise D. Because mm-hmm. even back then I was confused because the Klingon Bird of Prey had already been established in popular nerd culture. And then there was this Warbird. Okay, so the Klingons have the Bird of Prey, Romulans have the Warbirds. Okay. All these years later, this confused me. So, Well, so there was this thing in the next generation as well where there were the production staff was kind of going like, well... I think it was an accident that they named it Warbirds instead of Birds of Prey. And then they just said, never mind, let's just keep it that way because we want to separate them. So yeah, it yeah. was really all in the writing and the production side of things had nothing to do with the story. They never yeah. explained it as far as I know. What a strangely important turn that was in Star Trek Three for them to change the script from Romulans to Klingons because ever since then, Klingons have been more closely associated as the quote unquote bad guys in the Star Trek universe. The Romulans have been there as, as bad guys that, you know, there's always the neutral zone and whatnot. But when you, when you think of the old school Star Trek movies, especially in the 1980s and nineties, the Klingons were their main adversaries before next generation. And that could have been totally different if they had gone with the original script. And it's interesting because you're right. The Klingons were the bad guys in basically the original series. And then, in between the original series and the next generation, there was an event with the enterprise C because if you actually have watched the episode yesterday's enterprise in season three, God, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Wow. Um, they explain that because the enterprise C comes through this rift. And anyway, there's this really, really cool. That's one of my favorite episodes, by the way, of the, of the next generation. If you've never seen it yesterday's enterprise, essentially the enterprise C was defending. Was it? Ner- oh my gosh. How do I remember this? Narendra three. They were defending this, this Klingon outpost from the Romulans and the Enterprise 3 was destroyed while See. defending the Klingons and the Klingons saw that as an honorable death. And so that started the peace treaties between, you know, the Klingons and the Federation. Oh, okay. So, okay. and in yesterday's Enterprise, Enterprise C goes through this time rift and Enterprise D ends up, you know, they're in the same time at this point. It's 24th century and everything changes instantly and, you know, Enterprise D is now a battleship and 
they're all fighting each other because well enterprise c disappeared and never defended narendra three. Oh, so the nice. klingons were okay. at war with the federation really really good episode it's one of my favorites nice. it's so good so anyway fast forward to today the klingons are well they were allies and i think they still are allies but in the next generation the romulans were kind of the bad guys but it was yes. more of that cold war sort of thing where it's right. like we're always we got the neutral zone we're always kind of fighting and but anyway it was totally a cold war thing yes yeah and, and so we were talking off mike which i thought was very interesting and you were asking me like what's the relationship between vulcans and romulans since they look very similar and yeah, i've this, forgotten this has been mentioned in uh, i believe it was a next generation episode or two i think it was unification i think and then it was mentioned in a couple of enterprise episodes i think romulans and vulcans are the same species they are vulcans vulcans were an extremely violent emotional people they waged war constantly as they their technology advanced they were coming to the point of being able to essentially extinct their species they were going to in 370 ad the philosopher surak led his people in a great reformation to reject their emotions in favor of pure logic well, there was a group of dissenters known as those who march beneath the raptor's wings, which is very interesting. Yeah. Raptor, bird of prey. There you go. They did not That's accept Surak's teachings. They left Vulcan and this group later settled on the planets Romulus and Remus and they became the Romulan species. Anyway, very, very interesting. There you go. That's there the backstory. Uh, I'm sure some of you know all that and some of you probably don't. So hopefully that was interesting it was very fascinating for us to kind of revisit that together and now discuss it yeah so then to wrap up this episode so they're attacked by the bird of prey and then another ship rescues them Mm -hmm. and the other ship in rescuing them gets uh badly damaged and they beam up the pilot and guess who it is seven of nine seven of nine seven hello seven yay yeah you owe me a new ship a card (laughs) And, and that's the end of the episode that was it. to be continued. <laughs> now, here's an interesting thing. Seven seems to have gotten a significantly more human personality down. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, there you go. So there you go. Great way to end the episode because now all the Star Trek fans are like, oh, seven of nine. Oh, no. I can't wait to the next episode. So I'm so glad she's. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I think it would be a really good idea. It may not happen this season because I think everything's already filmed. But if at least through season two. They need to bring back all the main actors. They really do. I mean, all of them. Yes, They've got to bring back the entire next generation cast, the main ones, of course. They've got to bring back anyone from from Voyager, DS9. I mean, really, they need to do it just as little yeah. cameos. Or, you know, like Seven looks like she's going to become kind of a main character for at least a couple of episodes. Right. So, you know, they need to do this. It's really important. It would be yeah. heartwarming for all of us. I predict if it gets continued to a second season and beyond that, I think they're going to do exactly that. Well, it has been affirmed for a second season. And I do know that Patrick Stewart has been in conversation with Whoopi Goldberg about coming on as Guinan in season two. So that would be amazing. Good. Yeah. We'll see what happens, but Hey, there you go. That was fun. I, 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 it was fun going a little bit into the, the history of it. We nerded out. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I feel like, I knew my mom was always like, you're never going to use this stuff. I knew someday that this would all come around and be used for something powerful and good. And here we are. My Star Trek knowledge is being used for good. (laughs) You know what the music means? Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. This was this is fun. We'll be back on Friday. And uh, if if the stars align correctly, 
I do believe the mad scientist is rejoining us on Friday. Awesome. I hope that That'll works be out. Fun. Well, we'll keep reviewing Star Trek Picard. Episode five will come out in a week. And um, then we only, well, we have 10 episodes total. But hey, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Until Friday, Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.